you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 181 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, we are going over the best A's relief pitchers of the Billy Bean era. Yesterday, we went over the best starters, and for the last couple of weeks, we've been going position by position to try and figure out the all-bean team that is uh, the best players at each position during Billy Bean's tenure with the Oakland A's as the GM or president of baseball ops or whatever they want to call themselves. So uh, after today, all we have left are the best designated hitters of this era. So uh, go back, check out any episodes you may have missed, relive some nostalgia. We've been having a lot of fun telling some very random stories. So uh, there's that. Uh, One quick note from Tuesday before I get going, though, is uh, Birch Smith, Chad Pinder, and Tony Kemp all reached agreements on 2021 contracts with the A's. So those three will not be non-tendered today. As I said on Monday, today, Wednesday, December 2nd is the non-tender deadline. So there's going to be a slew of free agents, uh, new free agents hitting the market after uh, teams just decided not to tender them contracts. So if you're confused as to what that means, uh, Monday's podcast has you all covered up on all that stuff, what it means, who's on the block, a couple of A's that could be non-tendered. So on tomorrow's show, I'll be going over all of the non-tender deadline news uh, from the A standpoint, from the league. Maybe there's a new free agent that the A's could go after. Maybe So I'll be talking about all that stuff. And then on Friday, we're wrapping up our All Bean Team series, talking about the uh, best designated hitters of the Bailey Bean era. So Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review if you do so, please. And uh, yeah, have some fun with us. It's a great time. And I also want to mention that today's episode is brought to you guys by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. That is one word, LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off of your next order. And then uh, one last plug before we get into the episode, and that is please follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter so that you can vote in our poll determining who the best relief pitcher is of the Bean era. And uh, yeah, then that helps us determine who the all Bean team is overall. So uh, that is it for the plugs. Let's get all the way into it. Uh, as with every other position on this list, we are taking the best war totals from each reliever during their time with the A's and ranking them accordingly. So with relievers, though, it, it was a little bit trickier just because they've had so many really good relievers, but only for like one season. Uh, for instance, Billy Koch uh, loved him. He might have been my first favorite reliever just because that little soul patch beard thing that he had, I guess. I don't know what to call it. Uh, yeah, that blonde thing was fantastic, and I loved it. And he was only with the A's for one season. He put up 1.3 wins above replacement in 2002 before being traded to the White Sox in a deal that brought Keith Folk to Oakland. And with the A's, Keith Folk put up 1.8 wins above replacement during the 2003 campaign, and then a negative 0.5 wins above replacement when he returned to the A's for the 2008 season. Totally forgot that happened. Um, So Folk and Koch both ended up tied for 28th on our leaderboard, but they were also really good relievers for the A's in their one season, so they don't get as much play. It's a lot more recency bias on this list, I would say, because of late, the A's have been keeping their relievers just a, like a couple of seasons, or maybe even three seasons, uh, whereas at the beginning of the Bean era, they were keeping guys for like one year, trading them out every year, just because uh, relievers are volatile. So that is my little disclaimer, but here we go. The number four reliever for the A's during the Billy Bean era is the 2009 
AL Rookie of the Year and two-time All-Star with Oakland, Andrew Bailey. Bailey was a sixth-round pick of the A's back in 2006 and spent three seasons with the club, totaling a 2.07 ERA across 174 innings and accruing 4.4 wins above replacement. He also saved 75 games for the A's, and during his fantastic first two seasons, he held ERAs of 184 and 147, but both marks severely outperformed his FIP, which uh, seems to point to the fact that he was getting a little bit of help from his defense. I don't know. We don't have metrics on that stuff, except for FIP, and that's it. But uh, anyways, in his third season, his ERA shot up all the way to 324, which is by no means bad, but compared to 147, I mean, come on, he, he lost it, obviously. <laughs> uh, there was concern that Bailey may need a second Tommy John surgery after he left the mound during a spring training game in his final season with the A's, but Bailey was ultimately deemed well enough to pitch for the A's in 2011, but with concern over Bailey Bailey's injury history on the rise in his down season in 2011, the A's traded Bailey along with Ryan Sweeney to the Red Sox after the 2011 season for Raul Alcantara and Josh Reddick, and injuries seemed to follow Bailey around after he left Oakland. He pitched 44 innings for the Red Sox across two seasons, and he retired after the 2017 season after making stops with the Red Sox, Yankees, Phillies, and Angels, and getting that second Tommy John surgery along the way. Bailey was a bullpen coach for the Angels in 2019 and signed on to join Gabe Kapler's staff in San Francisco as the co-pitching coach for the 2020 season. Andrew Bailey is still just 36 years old. He's only one year my senior, and, uh... I, wow, that that's weird to me. But anyways, I also wanted to point out that right behind Andrew Bailey is Blake Trinan, who finished with 4.3 wins above replacement to Bailey's 4.4, but he accumulated a negative uh, .3 war during the 2019 season, knocking him out of fourth and giving Andrew the nod today. So uh, that's how we came to crown the fourth place winner on this list. Um, but moving right along to the number three guy on our war leaderboard, and that is another A's closer that was in a memorable trade, and that is Houston Street. He won the AL Rookie of the Year Award in 2005, beating out Robinson Cano, Joe Blanton, Nick Swisher, Johnny Gomes, Scott Casimir, and a, a end of list of the guys that I actually wanted to say. I mean, I guess you could say he beat out all of the rookies that year, but that's too easy. But uh, what I did want to say was outside of Robinson Cano, all of those players ended up in the green and gold at some point in their careers, and I just think that that was kind of cool. But getting back onto Houston Street, he spent his first four seasons with the A's totaling a 2 0.88 ERA across 269 innings and putting up 6.6 .6 wins above replacement. He also saved 94 games, and I always remember his windup when I think about Houston Street. He would face third base and then drag his right foot across the rubber, or if there was a runner on, he'd hold his hands up near his right shoulder like he was about to throw a fireball or something. Uh, it, I just always found it super entertaining. And then, um, I don't know if he did this with the A's. I think that he did, but I'm not positive. I can only find uh, replays of of it when he was with the Angels, but he'd also stick out his tongue sometimes for good measure, like that helped somehow, and uh, he was just a very interesting character on the mound. I don't know what he was doing, but it did work for him, so I mean, who's to complain about that? Um, and my memory of him was actually, I met Houston Street and Rich Harden at an In-N-Out once. Some of my college friends that also love the A's and I really got into 
into bowling for a minute, like a, a year or two. I don't, a, a minute. Um, and we'd go bowling on Sunday nights and then we'd go to In-N-Out or like Nations afterwards. And while we were eating uh, one of these times, Richard and Houston Street came in and we were all freaking out because finally I was around people that knew who these guys were and I was very excited. And I think that one of my friends said something like, hey, good game today, you guys. But the A's had had like a really bad game in that in on that particular day and Street may have actually blown the save if memory serves. I may be conflating that. I'm not positive. But the main point was that they'd lost and uh, it was not a particularly good loss for the A's. And uh, it didn't seem like they liked the comments at first. So uh, we, we were like, no, 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 we, we are fans. We are so sorry about that. We apologize. Uh, we legit... We didn't know what to say. I'm sorry. So, uh, again, not knowing what to say, kind of a theme of all my baseball stories on, on this series of, uh, podcasts here, but, uh, and with they, we ended up making amends with them and they knew that we were actually fans and not trying to poke fun or be mean to them whatsoever. And, uh, they ended up taking a, a picture with our friend Courtney and it was a pretty cool experience just running into players you love while eating burgers randomly after bowling like nerds. So, uh, that was, uh, that was a good time. But uh, back to Houston Street on the actual diamond here, he was traded to Colorado along with Carlos Gonzalez and Greg Smith for what ended up being half a season of Matt Holiday, and that one did not end up working well for the A's. But uh, one interesting tidbit on that street trade front, though, was that he was traded to San Diego to the Angels at the deadline in 2014, and one of the players San Diego got back was RJ Alvarez, who was traded to the A's along with Jesse Hahn in exchange for Derek Norris just a few months later. Just found that interesting, and I wanted to share it with you guys, but uh, anyway, coming up on the show, we have the top two relievers of the Billy Bean era, and we're going to remember some guys that didn't quite make the cut, so stay locked in with Locked On A's. I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by the Improved Built Bar, which is even more delicious. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, which include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors, including salted caramel, double chocolate, and orange. Uh, all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars, and all of their bars are built for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, and all of their bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you gotta do to take advantage of these delicious treats, get some for yourself, is go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like hearing podcasts. Make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. But getting right back into the episode, the top two guys on this list are basically the same when it comes to innings pitched, war, ERA, and all the metrics you can use, but it ended up being Sean Doolittle that came second on the war leaderboard with 7.4 wins above replacement accrued. Uh, Do also tallied 253 innings pitched and a 3.09 ERA and 36 saves with the A's, nearly all of which came in the 2014 season after Grant Belfour signed as a free agent with the Rays during the offseason. 
season. Uh, Tyler Clippard, Ryan Madsen, and Sa Santiago Casilla acted as the A's closers in 2015 through 2017 with Doolittle battling injuries. And that's kind of the story of Sean Doolittle, the former first base prospect that couldn't stay healthy. So instead of giving up, he became a dominant lefty reliever that would eventually go on to win a World Series with the Nationals in 2019. Uh, of course, how did he get to the Nationals? Well, the A's traded him. That's something that they do. That has been a very common theme on this series of podcasts. And that trade came in the middle of the 2017 season in exchange for Blake Trinan, who almost showed up on this list. Uh, they also, the A's also got Sheldon Noisy and Jesus Luzardo. And it's pretty safe to say that the A's got the better value in the deal, given that Luzardo was an ace in waiting. And then you throw in that Blake Trinan was great for one and a half seasons and Sheldon Noisy looks to have some potential. Uh, we'll see if he gets uh, some ABs here in 2021. But uh, at the same time, it's hard to say that the Nats messed up here because they did end up winning a World Series with a Doolittle being one of their key relievers that gave them like five pitchers to use in the whole series, in the whole playoffs early. But uh, anyways, I loved watching Sean Doolittle pitch because everyone knew what he was going to throw. It's a fastball, obviously. And uh, it wasn't very often that the opposition could do anything with it. And that was just kind of the beauty of Sean Doolittle is I got this pitch. Let's see what happens. He'd be like, I'm working on a slider. And then it would be terrible. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to just throw this, this heater. It's fine. You guys can't catch up to it. Good luck. But when it comes to memories of Sean Doolittle, it has to be that series against the Rangers in 2012 that stands out in my mind. Uh, Doolittle was a rookie, but it worked his way into a late-inning role with him, Cook, and Grant Balfour taking the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning, basically the whole second half, if memory serves. And uh, Doolittle worked the 8th frame of that game. The A's were ahead 8-5, to five, and after a strikeout of Josh Hamilton for the third out of the inning, he yelled into the sky and was so animated. And uh, I just... I. I don't, I know that I'm not describing it well, but if you remember the replays and, or you were there, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Just him overflowing with emotions in that game filled me with a lot of excitement. And uh, that's one of my favorite Sean Doolittle memories is just him being excited about doing well at baseball because uh, you don't see that very often, especially from pitchers. And when you think about the road that it took for him to get to that moment, all those injuries, all those setbacks, and for him to be at that point striking out an MVP candidate that season, then it just makes that moment even cooler because he wasn't even a pitcher until like a year before that. So uh, good job on Sean Doolittle on that one. But uh, moving on to the number one A's release of the Bean Era, and that is Liam Hendricks, who just edged out Doolittle for the top spot. Hendricks finished with 7.4 war to do 7.3. He threw 252 and a third innings compared to Sean Doolittle's 253. So Sean got him by two outs. And then uh, uh, Hendricks had an ERA of 307, while Doolittle was at 309. I'm saying it was really, really close, you guys. And Hendricks has a pretty good story in his own right. When he broke into the majors at the age of 22 in 2011, he struggled for three seasons with the Twins holding an ERA of 531 and a whip over one and a half. He was passed around on waivers for a couple of seasons before the Blue Jays traded him to the Royals for former A's legend Danny Valencia. Love recalling some names. Uh, the Royals traded Hendricks back to Toronto three months later for a minor leaguer, and about a year later, uh, this is November of 2015, the Jays traded him to the A's for Jesse Chavez. So there's another name for you guys. And Hendricks had a couple of okay seasons with the A's uh, prior to being DFA'd in June of 2018, but he made it back to the big leagues in September and in a hot month 
out of the bullpen and acting as the club's opener landed him the starting gig for the A's wildcard game in New York, and we're not going to talk about it. Instead, let's talk about two ridiculously good seasons that Hendricks had in 2019 and 2020. His ERA has sat at 180 and 178, and his whip was a touch below 1 in 19 and 0.67 this past season. I did not realize he was that dominant. That is such a good whip. I know small sample size, 60 games, whatever, but 067 domination out of the bullpen for Liam Hendricks. And that is why he's going to be a coveted free agent and not re-sign with the A's. So I'm going to keep saying that because I feel like we need to get used to hearing him not being with the A's. Uh, maybe instead of thinking that he might resign with the A's. Think of where, like, the the place that you want him to sign the least. I assume that that's the Yankees. I don't think he's going to the Yankees. He might go to, like, Philadelphia. But, like, mentally prepare yourself for him signing with the Yankees. And then when he doesn't, you'll be happy, even though he didn't sign with the A's. But now that I've got you thinking about Liam Hendricks and other uniforms, let's take him back to an A's uniform. He went from bouncing around on the waiver wire to being DFA'd to now being the most coveted reliever on the free agent market. And that is impressive, and it took a ton of work for him to make that turnaround. Obviously, I would love for the A's to sign him this winter, but I also root for the players to make as much money as they possibly can, which kind of feels counterintuitive to being an A's fan, but hey, I make it work somehow. Uh, so good luck to Liam Hendricks on the free agent market. Enjoy Philadelphia, I assume. But that is the list of the top four A's relievers of the Billy Bean era, but I also wanted to mention some other guys that just missed. And uh, as I mentioned before, Blake Trinan was number five on the list with 4.3 war, and behind him was Jim Masir with 3.6 wins above replacement. And I did not think that Masir would be that high, mostly because I had forgotten about him, but but uh, that's what we do here. It's nostalgia time. Jim Messier, he was a person. Um, seven, eight, nine on the list were Cook, Justin Dukesher, and Chad Bradford. And they were the only three players left on the list that had more than three wins above replacement. Uh, but I do have to say that uh, Jerry Blevins is right up there with Sean Doolittle as my personal favorite reliever of this era. Chad Bradford's up there too. I really like the sidearm thing, but sticking with Jerry Blevins here, he is way down the list at number 21, but when Jerry came in, it just felt like everything was going to be all right. I have some fun Jerry Blevins stories that I will share with you guys another time uh, when I have more time to tell them, but uh, I'm going to have to call it a podcast for today. Tomorrow, I'm talking about the players that were non-tendered, seeing if any A's hit the free agent market, and seeing if there were any cuts that the A's may be inclined to swoop on up. So that's what we're going over tomorrow on Friday. We got the DH podcast uh, going over the best DHs of the Billy Bean era. Uh, spoiler alert, Rubio Dorazo made the cut. I have a fun, fun story about Rubio Dorazo, so you were not going to want to miss that. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's what we got coming up for you guys for the rest of the week. So until next time, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, and I'll talk with you guys tomorrow.